0: Notice everything that I read to you here, listen, there's nothing here about make sure you establish a vision every year to grow. Uh, You need to have a plan to church growth. You need to have uh, several ministries, motorcycle ministries, angels, whatever for Jesus, I don't know, bikes for Jesus, whatever. None of that is here, okay? What's here though is walking with the Lord, humbly loving one another, exercising our gifts and dwelling richly in the Word of Christ, which is why this particular expression of the local church follows the way. This is what we've always wanted to do. This is why we come here and teach a lot. We're teaching, We're very teaching. And the reason we do that is because we believe that this is how we ought to exist as a local expression of the body of Christ. We are to be a church that dwells in His Word richly.
1: Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for September 29th, 2019. Today Brother Omar brings us a message called, Doctrine of the Church, Unity and Humility in Christ. Now Brother Omar says that the body of Christ is a community of believers gifted to serve one another in love, upholding the truth of God's word. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way.
0: We are uh, continuing from last time where we were speaking about the doctrine of the church. And today, uh, I believe this is our third or fourth sermon. I lost count. And today is going to be a little different. I'm a little bit excited because I get to preach from a text rather than just like being like a topical sermon. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 is typically understood to be the beginning of the practical section in the book of Romans. Romans 1 through 11 is dealing with things like justification by faith, um, sanctification, and more theological issues. And then when Paul gets to Chapter 12, he begins sort of practical advice. This is how you apply what you have learned so far type of thing. So Romans chapter 12 typically is understood to be uh, dealing with things like sanctification, how to live godly in this world. So he says, I appeal by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, this verse is typically applied individually. This is what you have to do as an individual. And that is true. That is a proper application of this text. But the context in which the Apostle Paul is speaking is he's speaking to the church. He immediately goes on to say to address the church as a collective. Okay? So he is talking to individuals, but he's also talking to the church as a collective. Now... A couple of things to notice that the Apostle Paul brings up here is number one, do not be conformed to this world or to the ways of this world or to the mentality or worldview of the secular world. This is what he's saying. In other words, do not be conformed to the way the world understands and see things. We all have glasses. Right by which we see everything. So you can have a biblical worldview, you see everything through the lens of Scripture, or you can have a worldly worldview where you see things the way that the world sees things. Okay? Why? Because the Apostle John tells us in 1 John that the world is passing away. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind, renewing your mind from what? The world. Why? Because that's where you and I come from. We are saved and called out of this world. So he's telling us that now as believers, we are to change the way we see things. Because the way that we see things are the way that the scripture tells us to see things. Okay, so not only that, we come from the world. We also live in the world. We are believers, but we also live in this world. We are surrounded by a worldly worldview. We turn on television, we read, we go on Facebook. Facebook is the worldiest place in the world, okay? Or maybe it's just my timeline. I don't know about your timeline. My timeline is crazy. It's out of control, okay? So, you know, we are surrounded constantly, we've been hit constantly by things that are unscriptural, by things that are unbiblical, by things that are not the way that the scriptures point things to be. You go to public schooling. Public schooling, kids are not, nowadays are being taught things that are completely against the Bible, from the moment they're very small. See, the devil knows that you got to get them early, so you take them to public schools. they're getting them early. TV is getting them early. Social media is getting us all the time. And so Paul is telling us do not be conformed to that, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Okay? Now, all of this is proper application of this text individually, but Paul tells us this in the context of the church, meaning this is also something that the church needs to be doing as a collective as a local expression of the body of Christ, the church locally needs to also be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Okay? So, a couple of things. In verse 3, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, interesting thing, Paul is an apostle. And he is speaking to the church in Rome, which obviously includes the shepherds, the teachers, the ministers, etc. He's not only speaking to the, uh, what we call the laity or the, uh, the members, okay? He's speaking to everybody in the church, and he says... By the grace given to me, that is, he's not speaking to them as a superior, but as one who has received grace from God, number one. And so Paul is showing in himself the humility to say, listen, I'm speaking to you with the grace that God has given me. It's like in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John in Revelation, he says, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patience and endurance there are in Jesus. In other words, I, John, write to you as your brother and partner in the tribulation. That shows the humility of the apostles. The apostles themselves, who are entrusted with the words of God, relate to these people as nothing more than just another one of them. They don't saw themselves as more highly or superior than they were. James, for example, writes an entire letter and not once he mentions that he's the brother of Christ. That's bragging rights right there. I'm the brother of Jesus. You should listen to what I say, right? He writes an entire letter. He doesn't mention that once. He actually says, when he begins, James, a slave of God and our Lord Jesus. That's how he introduces himself. So the apostles, the foundation of the church. The Bible says that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles. Okay, Themselves saw themselves simply as just another brother who has received grace from God. And I speak to you as such, fellow laborer, you see that word in the Bible, co-worker in Christ Jesus, servant. Because the apostles did not see themselves as more highly than the others. They're breaking down the hierarchy that we see in the world, Jesus said. You know, the Gentiles, they lord over one another. They shall not be like that amongst yourselves, but whoever wants to be great, let him become a servant. So the apostles were Servants. Okay, So, the apostles saw themselves simply as brothers. They did not think themselves highly as anybody else. And the point is simple. In the church, in the body of Christ, nobody is greater than anybody else. Why? Because the text says that we have all received a measure of faith according to what God has designed. So, everybody within the body of Christ... Whatever you have, whatever gift you, are, you have been dealt, and whatever gift you're operating in, you have received that gift from God. Furthermore, the faith that you have to access that gift and operate in that gift was also given to you according to the apportion that God has given you. And so Paul proves this point by saying the reason why you cannot think of yourself any more highly is because what you, God... As a minister, as you're functioning in the church, is not something that you necessarily have because you're a really smart, intelligent person. You have received from God a measure of faith, a gift, and according to the proportion that God has assigned to you, you have received it from him. So there is no bragging or boasting in the church simply because what you got is what God gave you. So he's cutting off all boasting. So not only we we cannot boast in our salvation, we cannot boast in our giftings as we operate in the church because we have received them from the Lord. Okay, verse 4. As in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we are though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members to one another. Okay. The apostle continues to prove his point, that not only the gifts that we have has been given to us by God, but even in the distribution and the places that God places us to operate in those giftings is also being apportioned to us by God. So I stand up here and I teach the Bible because that is the gift that God has given me and the faith to operate in this gift is all from God. I am no more higher than anybody else here, no more intelligent, no more anointed, no more anything than anybody here. I have received from God a measure of faith and a gift that is in proportion to what he has given me and that's what I operate in. And that's true for every single person here. We all have received from God a gift and a measure of faith for us to operate on. Also, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, you see this repeated all over the New Testament over and over again. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full of accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count yourselves, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus was in the form of God. The Greek word there means he was an outward expression. The, the word is morphe, meaning outward expression of something. So Jesus is, was the outward expression of God. All right. He's, he was in the shape and the form. He was an expression of the essence of God. And yet he humbled himself. He did not count equality with God. He was, him and God is, are the same, are equal. Jesus Christ and God the Father are equal, okay? He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Great text, by the way, on the deity of of Christ. This is a great text for it, all right? But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He served. So he says to the believers, have this mind among yourselves, the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. He was God, yet he did not thought that equality with God was a thing to be grasped. He humbled himself as a man to come down and to serve us by dying for our sins. So he tells the church in Philippi, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. When you're in the church, when you're serving in the church, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count the other more significant than you count yourself let each of you look not only to his own interest but also to the interests of others why because that's how jesus christ himself was okay and so in the church in the body you will see this this is i had to edit the verses because i could have Just sit here and quote the verses basically saying the same thing over and over and over again. When you see that in the Bible, by the way, something being repeated over and over again, that's their equivalent of like bold letters, right? They're trying to get your attention. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus, verily, verily, I say unto you. In other words, the repetition is the emphasis, and the emphasis in the New Testament is this, idea of the unity of the body of Christ, and when the body of Christ expresses itself locally that unity that humility is put in practice okay so four as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function so we though are many are one body in christ and individually members to one another i have gifts you have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us by god himself and the holy spirit so God has given you, a saint, a gift, a function to operate with within the context of the local church. He has also given each of His saints a proportion of faith to operate the gift. There is no boasting because it's not ours. It does not come from you. Both the gift and the faith to operate the gift are apportioned by God as He sees fit. Therefore, there should not be any boasting. Therefore, there should not be any selfish ambition. Therefore, there should not be anything like, I am more anointed. I am the man of God in this house. You need to do what I say. None of that exists simply because what you have, you did not gain it. You received it from God. Okay. This is why it's foolish to think highly of yourself within the body of Christ. We all have different functions. They're equally important. We are members of one another. There is no competition in the church, but cooperation. There is cooperation in the body of Christ. Anybody knows what a cooperative is? You're good Americans. Anyways, when I grew up in Puerto Rico, my mom was a member of a cooperative. It was like a supermarket cooperative, right? And. the way this worked, it was it was interesting. It was it was a supermarket, but everything from the way that the people were paid that worked there, the way that the prices of the products was was all decided not for profit. Of typically, you have an owner of a, if you have a commercial business, you have an owner because we're in this for money, and the owner has a manager or he has. A, a board, and then you have the employees, and the idea is, as money comes in, the top gets the most, and then it's sprinkled down to everybody else. When a cooperative, the money comes in, and it's tried to spread out equally amongst everybody. And so, you had to buy, you, you, you were a member, my mom was a member, so she would, she was allowed to purchase, only the members could do grocery, grocery shopping, and she either had to buy a stock or actually work Um, in the cooperative. I think it was two hours a month or something like that or whatever, it was a certain amount of time that you had to participate in this thing because that was the idea. Because they were not, they did not have customers, right? They simply came, got the product in exchange of money and they left, she was a member. So as a member, she could receive, but she also had to participate in this thing. Okay? That's similarly as to how the body of Christ is supposed to be. right? We're not customers that come, we get a service. You know, Omar comes here, he reads the stuff that he does, and we pay in our tithe, and then we go home. Okay? That's not how the church is supposed to be. Right? It's supposed to be a cooperation amongst members because each member has an interest there. And we cannot function properly without one another. Remember last time when I quoted in the book of Acts the situation they were having, that the word of God is not spreading at some point because there was an argument happening between the Hebrew Jews and the Greek Jews over the widows that were not getting fed. So the Hebrew Jews were like, we're just going to feed the Hebrew widows. Y'all take care of yourselves. So a complaint starts happening, and the apostles themselves was like, listen, we can't keep having this. Pick from among yourselves seven men that are full of the Holy Spirit, right, who are godly, who are respected. Pick." from seven of them, let them deal with that issue, and then we take care of the ministering and the preaching of the word. And as soon as they did that, the Bible says, and the word of God began spreading, and they had favor from all the people, and everybody was getting fed, etc. Because as that was happening, the church was in an obstacle, and they needed the spiritually anointed gifting, I guess, of circulating the food or whatever amongst the widows equally. So that's taken care of. And then the apostles can go on and do something else. So the body of Christ functions like that. Each member has a gift, an operation, a faith to operate in that gift. And as we do that, the body of Christ together begins to grow, okay? So he goes on to say, verse nine, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. Now I want to stop there because in telling us, this is very interesting, in telling us to love one another, to submit to one another, to not hold ourselves more highly than anybody else, to be loving, to be forgiving of one of another, he also says abhor what is evil. In other words, we are not to be tolerant of everything and anything okay in our day many people or many christians confuse love with tolerance right love means we just accept you right accept anything you do as long as you're happy right we have uh, uh, affirming churches where homosexuality is affirmed and the people are loved and and, you know, and that's the whole, whole point of the church. They misunderstand love with truth. And Paul is saying, in your loving and in your submitting one to another, abhor what is evil. Ephesians chapter five or six says this. Let no one deceive you with empty words. expose them this is more or less what he just said in romans 12 1 and 2 repeated and explained a little bit differently in ephesians 5 to 6 he says you were darkness right he tells them this is where you came from do not become partners with them for one time you were darkness but you are now light in the lord walk as children of light and try to discern what is pleasing to the lord And take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, humility, love, forgiveness. We are commanded to be all these things in the local body of Christ. But we also are supposed to be prophetic and speak truth to power and expose the unfruitful works of darkness. We're supposed to be a prophetic voice. Humble, loving, forgiving, but truthful. We speak truth. And and speaking truth, we are also to expose not only things like sin, but also false teaching and false doctrine. And anything that is false, we are supposed to humbly, lovingly expose all those things and speak truth to power. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul again says this, Put on then, as God's elect... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Listen to what he says. After he's done telling them to be have patience, Forgive one another. He says to them, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He's speaking to a local congregation. And he says to them, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, that should be true of you as an individual, as a person. But that's also true of a church. A church A faithful church has the word of Christ dwelling in her richly. Okay, so teaching and admonishing one another. Teaching and admonishing one another. He goes on to say in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so the word of god is how the church is cleansed so a local expression of the body of christ okay so you have the universal body of christ that includes all saints, all saints that are alive anybody who's puts her his face his and her face and a faith in christ jesus and are saved by grace through faith if you're a true believer you're part of the body of Christ universally you can be here you can be in China you can be in Afghanistan you could be dead in heaven you can be here on earth it doesn't matter you're part of the universal body of Christ all of the elect from the beginning to the end that's the church of God okay but the church of God does not meet all billions of people in one building right so the church of Christ expresses itself locally so you have local you have the local church and you have the universal church. So the way that the local church is to act or to exist is dwelling richly in his word. In his word. Notice everything that I read to you here. Listen, there's nothing here about make sure you establish a vision every year to grow. Uh, you need to have a plan to church growth. You need to have... a uh, Uh, Several ministries, motorcycle ministries, uh, you know, uh, what is it, angels, whatever for Jesus, I don't know, bikes for Jesus, whatever. None of that is here, okay? What's here, though, is walking with the Lord, humbly loving one another, exercising our gifts, and dwelling richly in the word of Christ. Which is why this particular expression of the local church follows the way, this is what we've always wanted to do. This is why we come here and teach a lot. We're teaching. We're very teaching. And the reason we do that is because we believe, okay, that this is how we ought to exist as a local expression of the body of Christ. We are to be a church that dwells in His Word Richly it's not just dwelling in his it's not just scripture reading it's you dwelling in the word Richly you're teaching you're admonishing one another okay so as we do that as a church verse 26 says he cleansed her by the washing of water with the word the church is cleansed with the word of God John 17 says, Jesus is praying and he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, just as I do not ask you to take them from the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus' prayer to the Father is to sanctify them, his church, with his word, because his word is truth. Jesus, at one time, was preaching, and he was preaching very harsh, and people started leaving. Jesus, Jesus is very secret friendly. He's preaching, people are leaving, says we can't hear this. And so the apostles come to him and say, listen, you need to stop Saying what you're saying because people are leaving. So Jesus turns to the apostles, like, okay, I want you to leave too. You, just, you can go with them. And Peter says, Where, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. And so Jesus, very unseeker friendly, is preaching. People are walking out of his sermon. The apostles are like, listen, you need to get it together. You got to, you know, people are leaving. This is not working out. And it's like, okay, go ahead. You can leave too. But Peter says, we have nowhere to go. You have the words of life. And the words of life, Jesus, through the Spirit, and the apostles gave it to the church. And the church is to dwell in that word richly. Okay? So, Continue on. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, and contribute to the needs of the saints and seek, seek to show hospitality. So we are to be humble, to love one another, and to have brotherly affection, to be cooperative and not competitive and full of strife. And most importantly, we're to dwell in God's word richly. Now, the reason that I took the time to speak on this is because we're eventually in the series in the Doctrine of the Church, we're going to get into like things like the gifts of the spirit, how is the church to be assembled, leadership and stuff like that. But before we even get to all those things, this is the message that all of that is built upon. This is all built upon on the idea that we are to be humble, that none of us is greater than anybody else, that we've all operated in the gifts of God, that we to love one another, and we are to dwell richly in the Word of God. If you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, Corinthians was a problem church. It was a mess. Bad things were happening, okay? But if you read the first chapters, Paul begins by calling out their strife. Some of you think of yourselves high. Some of you think you're like these prophets. You are the anointing of the Lord. Some of you think this, and and you have strife amongst each other, and you're arguing and bickering against each other. And that eventually leads to the gifts of the Spirit being abused. You have abusing of the gifts, You have people speaking in tongues crazily without interpretation. You have certain other people who think of themselves as like super healers and super apostles. And all that stuff that happens in Corinthians began all the way over here when they started thinking themselves more highly than the others. I am more anointed. You know, I got a better gift. Right? Pride came in. Pride leads to strife, strife leads to this, and next thing you know, the church in Corinth is a mess. And so, when we think of this particular local congregation that we, we're in, we have to begin with this notion that nobody here, Pastor Bolden, is a shepherd. He's no better than anybody else here. He's not more anointed than anybody else here. Neither am I. Neither are you. We're all equally have received things from the Lord and gifts that we operate in. And we have the faith given to us by God to operate in those gifts. We have nothing to boast about, basically. (laughs) We got nothing. What do you have that you have not received? And if you've received it, why do you brag about it? That's what the Apostle Paul says. And so, as a church, we're a local expression of the body of Christ. We will go on and study about the roles and responsibilities as a church, etc., that we have, but before we even get to that, we have to understand who we are in Christ. The Bible makes it very clear that every believer is a priest. Every believer has a direct access to God. You, 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 you have direct access to God. There's no man in between you and God but Jesus Christ. So, As a church, as we understand that, that we are all priests, that none of us are better than anybody else, that is the foundation for us to build upon for the future as a church. And what God expects us to do, all the way down from ministering, preaching of the word, feeding homeless people, all of this works out of this reality that we are one body cooperating all the members with one another and we all need each other equally. No one gift is greater than any other. And so with that in mind, we'll pray and then we'll be finished. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the work that you did on the cross, Lord, that brought us to you and gives us access to you directly, Lord. We thank you that you assembled us together into one body and you have gifted us all equally, Lord. We pray that you may help us serve one another and uh, bear each other's burdens, Lord, as, as a local body, as a local expression, Lord, and that we may um, be guided by your word, that we may stand in your word alone, Lord, and that your words may dwell richly in this body, in this church, and in each family, and in each individual here, and that everything that we do works out of your word and our fellowship here, Lord. We thank you uh, for your work. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing us together and for gifting us, Lord. And we pray in Jesus name.
1: Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.